Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you. We're so glad that you joined us today. This is today's episode, and so we've talked about Romans chapter 3 for several days. We're going to be in that for at least a couple more, perhaps more episodes And I want to just begin by reading Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26, and we will get through a portion of those today. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. We're going to be talking about this section for a day or so, and I want to begin it today by just considering where we are at this point. Paul has used chapters 1 through 3 to help build a case and and establish the fact that every person without Jesus Christ is a sinner, period. Doesn't matter what category you fall under. But he's also started it in verse 16 and 17 of chapter 1, and now is is expanding on that good news that he spoke about in 16 and 17 of chapter 1. So Paul is telling us, Yes, it's gloomy in chapters 1 through 3 because man's got a serious sin problem. It's more serious than any virus or pandemic. It's more serious than anything else you will ever face in this life because the sin problem, if you don't deal with the sin problem before you draw your last breath, you will spend eternity in hell. And trust me, it is real and you do not want to go there. You don't want even your enemy to go there. It is awful. And so man is already condemned to that. The wages of sin is death. We're already under that death sentence. We're already under that sentence for the what Revelation calls the second death or damnation to hell forever. That's what we deserve. That's where we're headed. But the good news is that God has a solution to man's and woman's sin problem. God has the answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. It's it's wrapped up in one person. And so we've established this. We have established that God's solution to the sin problem is available to anyone and everyone who will believe. 
And we talked in an earlier episode of what that word truly means. It's not just saying, well, Jesus lived and he died and, you know, he was a great man. He was a great prophet, but he wasn't the son of God. That's the lie. That's heresy. That's not what it means to truly believe. Truly believing in Jesus is confessing him as Lord, asking him to save you, forgive it, forgive you of your sin, believing that his death alone on the cross paid the full price and penalty for your sin. And you believe in that and you take that Passover lamb of God's blood and apply it to yourself and say, yes, Lord, your blood is enough. It saved me. It redeemed me. It's enough. And all who will believe, it's rock solid that Jesus Christ is the Savior. It's testified. He is testified of being so by God the Father. We saw that on several occasions. God the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament, the Tanakh, the Law, the Prophets, and the Psalms. And in the New Testament days, our advantage is that he's also testified by the, the apostles throughout the New Testament, which we now have. So for all who believe, it tells us what benefit and what happens to us, what that means to everyone who will believe. And I want to read verse 24 because that's really where we're going to be today. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. To all who will believe, all of what verse 24 through 26 tells us applies. We're going to talk about the part of it that's in verse 24 today. It says that we are being justified. It means that we are rendered or declared as just, right, or innocent. Think about that for a moment. Justification is a big theological word that can be simply boiled down to being declared right or innocent before God, acquitted of all charges, just as if I'd never sinned is another way that some look at it. It means to hold as guiltless, to accept as righteous, or to acquit or clear one of all charges in a legal sense. It means to stand approved or accepted. Now, I want you to get this. Think about it. Seriously. You and me are guilty of crimes, of sin. All of chapters 1 through 3 proves that. We're guilty of all sorts of sin. Just take, just take the Ten Commandments. Don't even worry about the 613. Just look at the Ten Commandments. How many of those have we messed up? Have we lied? Have we stolen? Have we dishonored our parents? Even in their old age? How many of those have we broken? How many? We are guilty of these crimes. And we know it. 
where the defendants say in a courtroom, you know, it, Paul, what he's doing in chapters one through five is really a courtroom setting. And he's showing us this whole process as if it were a courtroom. And we are the guilty defendant that the prosecutor, the devil, has the goods on because we've done the sins that were against God, the holy judge. So we do stand guilty and we know we are guilty. And yet, and yet, and this is the part that Paul is really bringing out here in verse 24. Because Jesus died instead of us, he paid our penalty. He was the innocent one who died in our place, and we are the guilty ones. The innocent man, Jesus Christ, the sinless one, the holy one of God, has died taking your penalty and mine upon himself in our place so that we could then stand free and clear, acquitted of all those charges and declared as innocent and righteous and accepted before God. Think about that. The greatest exchange in all of the world occurred when we believe in Jesus' precious blood that he shed on that cross because now our guilt and shame has been put on him and he paid the penalty and now he washes us clean of all of our filth from those sins. Our filthy garments have now been cleansed and removed from us. Those filthy garments are removed and we now have clean garments. Let's consider just a couple of verses from the Old Testament that speak of this and paint a little bit of a picture for us. First of all, Isaiah 64 verse 6 says this, But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So our righteousness is filthy. It is a filthy garment. And yet when we come to Zechariah, in Zechariah chapter 3, I want to read verses 3 and 4. This beautiful picture here that we see that, that helps us understand. In verse 3 of chapter 3 of Zechariah, Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments, and was standing before the angel, which is very possibly a reference to the Lord himself. Verse 4, Then he, meaning the, the angel, the, the Lord, answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments 
from him. And to him, in other words, to Zechariah now, he says, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. What a beautiful picture of what Jesus does for us when he takes our iniquity away and he removes those filthy garments from us and then he clothes us in white. He clothes us in beautiful robes and takes all of that trashy filthiness away from us that has accumulated in us and on us because of sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now our filthiness, our garments that were filthy are taken away. We are now washed clean by his blood. Hallelujah. Let's look at a couple of places that speak of that. First of all, Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us, hallelujah, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Hallelujah. Jesus has washed us clean by his own blood. Praise God. Also, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want to read verses 9 through 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were, if you highlight or underline, highlight that little word, were. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to remember that little word, were. And such were some of you, but you were washed. I'd highlight and underline, but you were washed also. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You might want to underline verse 11 all the way and highlight it and maybe even write it on an index card or something and post it on someplace you'll remember and see it every day. It's important that we realize that we were filthy. We were in sin. We were guilty. But that's not us anymore. But we have been washed, sanctified, and justified in Jesus Christ. This is true of all who have believed in Jesus resting our hope in his finished work and free in him, being justified. Hallelujah. Now we are clean. Jesus spoke of that 
to his disciples in John chapter 13. And I want to read just a few verses of this. Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. And beginning in verse 7, he says this, Jesus answered and said to him, What I'm doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Why did he say that to them? Because they were believers in him. They were followers. They were his disciples. They were saved. And so he tells them, I have cleansed you. And he did. He did through the final act by actually shedding his blood. They believed in him and received his precious blood on their own doorposts when he paid that penalty for us on the cross. So Paul tells us here that we've been justified freely. That means it's gratuitous. It was without cause in the sense that we did not deserve it. We have been justified even though we didn't deserve it. By his grace. That wonderful word. That word that is so abused today. Because there are people that think that this grace just covers any kind of abominable, evil lifestyle, things that he has delivered us from, things that First Corinthians just told us we were like, but we're not now because we're washed. We don't need to go back to those things. Don't ever go back to Egypt. Don't. Uh, Keith Green used to have a song about that. So you want to go back to Egypt? No, don't ever go back to Egypt. Don't ever go back to those things. You've been washed. You've been cleaned. That's why I think it might be good for you to go back and remember 1 Corinthians 6.11. You're not like that anymore. Don't go back into that anymore. Don't wallow in that mud and get your garments all filthy again. You don't have to. You've been cleansed. You've been set free. Oh, hallelujah. And it's called grace. It's a truly beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing. And so many are abusing God's beautiful grace today. And it saddens my heart. It grieves my heart. Grace has been defined by some as God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. That great exchange. And this grace is a free gift. It's beautiful. It's the word charis in the Greek. And it means graciousness, beauty, charm, beneficial opportunity, free favor. Some have defined it also as unmerited favor. In other words, it goes right back to what we were talking about freely, undeserved. Favor from God. 
that is not deserved or earned by us. That's the beauty of grace. That is grace. Listen, one of the beautiful pictures of grace in the Old Testament is in the rescue of Lot. Because if you go back and you read in Genesis, I believe it begins in about chapter 14 or 15 or so, 13, maybe 13, all the way through Genesis 19, you will see how Lot got Lot into Sodom. Lot got there through his own choices. He first looked and everything looked good when Abraham gave him the choice and it looked lush and pleasing over there to the eyes. The grass always looks greener on the other side. But usually there's vipers over there that will bite you in the end or something along those lines. But it looked all nice and plush and so Lot looks towards Sodom. That was his first mistake. And then it says he pitches his tent towards Sodom. And, and he, you'll see over the, over the course of those chapters, he gets closer and closer. And then he's actually in Sodom. And notice this. Abraham had already rescued him one time. Back in chapter 14, I believe it is. And yet he's still in, in Sodom. And he didn't learn his lesson. And now the Bible tells us in the New Testament, he's vexed in Sodom by all of their evils and so forth. Even to the point that when they come, the angels come to him to rescue him, you hear out of his own mouth filth coming out. Just, just a debauchery. It's, it's awful. And yet in God's grace, he rescued Lot. Lot got Lot into Sodom. But God in his mercy and in his grace got Lot out of Sodom. It's a beautiful picture of the rescue of grace, which is undeserved favor. Hallelujah. And I love this in that definition. It's that which affords delight, pleasure, or joy. God wants to rescue you. He wants to cleanse your garments. He wants to take away those filthy garments from you. It brings him great delight for sinners to turn to him. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in the Gospels that every single sinner who will repent, there's a party in heaven. All of heaven rejoices because the Father rejoices. You see, that's the whole point of the prodigal son story that Jesus talked to us about and told us is the father is rejoicing. The father's looking. He's longing. Is today the day that you'll come home to him? Is today the day that you'll listen? Is today the day that you'll repent? You see, the father is wanting you to come home. The father is calling you home and he rejoices when you come home. And there's a great party in heaven when you come and repent and call upon his name and believe. Hallelujah. And so God justifies us freely by his grace through the agency, the thing that is the basis of it, the ground or the reason for which it's done is all tied up in the redemption that Jesus bought for us. We've read in several times in these last few episodes from Hebrews about how Jesus obtained eternal redemption. 
He didn't go like the priest went on the Day of Atonement once a year and had to go back year after year after year. Oh, no. His one sacrifice on that cross for all people for all time was enough. He has obtained eternal redemption. So what is redemption? We need to understand it. It's to buy back from the slave market. It's 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 as if we were on the slave block, on the slave market of sin. We were bound as slaves to sin. And Jesus went to the slave market and bought us back. He said, I'll pay the price needed to free that one. I'll pay the price needed to free her. I'll pay the price needed to free him. I'll do it. And he went and he bought us back. This is a beautiful story that, that reminds us of two places in the Old Testament. One is the book of Hosea. If you want to understand the redemption and the love that God has for guilty sinners, read the prophet Hosea because he had to live it out and his living it out was the picture that God was using to show us redemption. And the second one is the book of Ruth because in the book of Ruth, you will see Boaz who was a type of Christ also as the Goel, the kinsman redeemer who bought the Gentile bride, Ruth and redeemed Naomi's name and property. Praise God. Jesus is our redeemer. Hallelujah. You see, Adam was right with God and perfect, but he sinned and he fell, and he became a slave to sin, and all people since then, since him, have become slaves to sin. We needed rescue. We needed to be bought back. We needed the Goel, our kinsman redeemer. And if you want to understand more about that, I do have a message on that in my Holy Week study that's in the archives. Jesus came as the redeemer and he paid the price. He paid the wages of sin and has redeemed us by his own blood. I want to close with these final words from the scriptures. In 1 Peter chapter 1, I want to read verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. We've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And what is given to us freely, we are justified freely, remember. But it was at great expense to God. I want to close with Psalm chapter 49, verse 7 and 8 and 9, 7 through 9. 
None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For, or in other words, why? Because the redemption of their souls is costly. And it shall cease forever. In other words, the Redeemer is coming. That he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. So this is not only speaking about the redemption that's coming, that will take care of the sin problem, but also that he's going to live eternally. It speaks of his resurrection as well. He not only paid the price and redeemed us, but the price was accepted by God when he raised him from the dead. And so we can rest assured that Jesus has bought us back, all who will believe. And now we are justified freely by his grace. What great news. I pray that you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you haven't, he's calling you because he says today is the day of salvation. Come, don't wait. Make it right today. Call upon him today. And also, you too then can be justified freely by his grace this very day. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.